back to Let's Get Haunted with your host, Matt Strong and Allie. Welcome back to the Welcome. second, the second motherfucking quarantine. Where are you going? Remote Where are you going? I don't know. Sometimes I just start talking and I don't really know what I'm going to say. And then you I'm know like, what? I support it up that. I, I support that. Welcome to episode 36. As Natalia said, the second quarantine episode. Yeah, you guys, we're really doing it live here. We're still in quarantine. We're still... Um, Actually, I'm not sad about it anymore. I feel like originally I was sad about it. I feel like now I've just gotten used to it. I feel so guilty because obviously it's a global pandemic. Like people are dying. Everything's sad. People are losing their jobs. Everything's really bad. But like I just got a horse and a boyfriend. I feel fucking so yeah. blessed. <laughs> you know, I, I this is not the time to be like happy around people, you know what I mean? I think it just means that you're thriving in the chaos as you normally do, right? You are in I your know. element and you are fucking ready to go. Just fucking leave it to me to like find true happiness in the middle of the world being depressed. I'm just never on the fucking same page as the majority. That's fine. Well, you know what? We need some people to be living it up and being happy because that's how you counteract all of the sad stuff in the world with a little, with some, you know, a few people sprinkled in there having a lot of happiness. That's true. You guys, if you want to see some cute shit, go to my Instagram and look at my new horse. He's literally so adorable. He's my best friend. What's your horse's name? His name is Double Down because he's like a racehorse. And I like the idea of doubling down because it's the idea that you've already won. You know, you already have a great hand and you've already made some money. But instead of just taking that, you're like, you know what? I'm on a roll. I'm going to double down. I'm going to bet twice as much and make this twice as risky. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you play in to win, not playing for the, like the fear of losing. I just love that idea with everything. It's like, I just want to live my life without any fear at all. And I know that's like, sounds really scary and just impulsive and whatever. But since I've been doing it. I think I just been meeting other impulsive people. And so now we're like all together and then we're all just having In a fun. club. Yeah. <laughs> hey, no uh, risk before reward, right? So you're taking the risk and you're reaping the rewards. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm an explorer, just like the story that I'm going to tell you today, Alyssa. Ooh, I'm very excited to hear this story. Do you have any news for us before we get started other than 420 Blaze It? Um, we did our Shein live stream the other night. Thank you very much to everyone who came out and supported. I saw you guys all in the chat and it made us feel pretty good because, um, obviously we have no crossover in terms of fandom with Shein. So we really appreciated you guys showing up and showing out. That was really nice because I was looking at that and half the time it was like, aren't these clothes a piece of shit? And then the (laughs) other half the time it was like, you spooky girls, we love you. Exactly. Exactly. We needed that confidence boost, you guys. So thank you so much. And if we get to do another one, we will let you guys know. Yeah, we will. Yeah, we will. What story do you have for me today? I'm very excited to be spooked right before bedtime. Also, if I seem a little subdued, I took a Benadryl because I had a rash. Oh, I thought you were going to say you took an edible. 
Cause it, no. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, well. living it up. No, Leave it I, to well, you to have a rash and take a Benadryl. Sometimes it's kind of fun to just be a little bit sleepy and yeah. hear about some spooky shit because then the odds of me having like a crazy nightmare are pretty high. So I'm ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I told an abridged version of this story on the Shein Live, but I did not go into as good detail because I'm not about that. You know, I want our content on this podcast to be amazing so absolutely just like give it away for free absolutely we don't give anything away for free except for everything that we've ever made (laughs) but you know what we i am ready um to quar and scream with you and with some haunting (laughs) Alyssa. yes the story i'm going to tell you today is the story of a quest a A quest. quest belonging to one man one man's quest to unite mankind. A man's kind of quest. And what is the story of mankind, Alyssa? Uh, is that, wait, is this rhetorical or is... We come from a long yeah, okay. line of That's explorers. Human nature, exploration, the journey of man. This man, much like you and I, Alyssa, had an insatiable thirst for knowledge. Whoa. He was a dreamer, a believer, an innovator. Yes, perhaps if he was born in our time, he would also run a paranormal podcast, but... The most innovative. Mm -hmm. Because he was a man, living in a time before our own, he was a sailor. His name was Sir John Franklin, and he liked to fuck. I'm just kidding. He was a normal dude. (laughs) You don't know that. You don't know if he liked to fuck. How dare you erase his sexuality from this narrative? (laughs) I just thought it would be really funny to say that after all that (laughs) (laughs) buildup. Sir John Franklin, born April 16th, 1786, in Spilsby, Lincolnshire, England, died June 11th, 1847, near King William Island, the British Arctic Islands, now none of it territory, in Canada. He was 61 years old when he died. That's young. Pretty young, because a tragedy struck, which I will get to. Dun, dun, dun. Franklin entered the Royal Navy at age 14, which honestly, what the fuck? What were you doing when you were 14? <laughs> yeah, nothing. Nothing. I was probably like dating um, a piece of shit. And, yeah, uh, no, I was for sure dating a piece of shit. And I had braces. What, what? Oh, I had braces for sure. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Everyone dated a piece of shit and had braces when they were 14. <laughs> that was my personality. Franklin entered the Royal Navy at age 14, accompanied Matthew Flinders on his exploratory voyage to Australia from 1801 to 1803. And then he served in the battles of Trafalgar in 1805 and in New Orleans in 1815. He commanded the Trent on Captain David Buchan's Arctic expedition of 1818, which sought to reach the North Pole. And then from 1819 to 1822, Franklin conducted an overland expedition from the western shore of the Hudson Bay to the Arctic Ocean, and he surveyed part of the coast to the east of the Coppermine River in northwest Canada. After his return to England, he fucking published narrative of a journey to the shores of the polar seas in the years 1819, 20, 21, and 22. That's the name of the book. He published it in 1823. That's a great name for a book. It's just, this is the name of the book. Narrative of a journey to the shores of the polar sea in the years 1819, 1820, 1821, and 1822. Published in 1823. And if there is not something that shows how much someone could slay, I don't know what else is. The name of the fucking book just tells you how busy this is. I like that. I respect this guy because he's living a very adventurous life starting at a very young age. 
And you can tell he's not very creative. <laughs> and he was like, you know what? I'm just naming this book everything right. that I did. He did a bunch of other shit. But basically what I'm getting at is that this Sir John mm. Franklin knew what the fuck he was doing as far as being a sailor goes. You know? Yeah. Sounds yeah. very smart. Very experienced. In fact, he was so sure of himself, Alyssa, that he took it upon himself to find the Northwest Passage. Alyssa, do you know what the Northwest Passage is? It's a passage in the Northwest. Wow. I think you might be... Did I- Psychic. Did I get it right? Oh, shit. Psychic, intuitive, creative, beautiful, beautiful artistic, um, never been done before, uh, talented, talented, amazing, never giving up. <laughs> In short, the Northwest Passage, Alyssa, is a dream. It's a dream to connect all of mankind. The Northwest Passage. <laughs> you, you paused. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Sometimes I like to pause awkwardly just to see if you will try to fill the silence. <laughs> I do. I always try. But sometimes I, especially when we're doing this remotely, I'm like, let me wait a second. Did the camera pause? <laughs> okay. The Northwest Passage is a sea route that connects the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans through the Canadian Arctic Archipelago. 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 Right? archipelago archipelago i don't know you guys know what it is it's one or the other if you don't know what it is don't worry about it and if you don't know what it is then you already know what it is so why do you care yeah why get off our backs all right we are not english scientists <laughs> we are just regular scientists paranormal investigators so this passage doesn't like nobody's ever found it right so it's it's a dream it's this idea you know it's kind of like columbus mm-hmm. thought you could just fucking sail out into the open and then find your way back somehow yeah he thought he could just go straight to india and instead he ran into america so climate change in the past had made the northwest passage impassable because it's covered by thick year-round sea ice however in the past few years climate change is allowing commercial traffic to pass through the arctic ocean via this once impossible route so for us now today, this doesn't seem like that big of a deal. But back then, this was a fucking right. huge deal. It's like trying to get from Europe to the United States by foot. It's just not possible. Right. Or like someone trying to build civilization on Jupiter. Right now, it's impossible. But maybe in 5,000 exactly. years, it won't be. Exactly. And the reason that they wanted to find this is because ship routes from Europe to Eastern Asia would be shorter. Alaskan oil could move quickly by ship ports to the Eastern US. The vast mineral resources of the Canadian North would be much easier and economical to develop and ship to market. So the economic value of a short route connecting the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans was appreciated really early on. The Spanish referred to this route as the Strait of Anillan and Francisco de Uloya started searching the Baja California Peninsula around for it in 1539. And then there were English explorers who searched for it in the late 1500s and early 1600s and all of those expeditions were unsuccessful and then explorations continued through the 1600s and 1700s without success then in 1849 robert mcclure passed through the Bering Strait with the intent of sailing through to the Atlantic. His ship was trapped in the ice not far from making it to Viscount Melville Sound and probably passage to the Atlantic. Then finally, after spending three winters on the ice and dying of starvation, 
McClure and the crew were rescued by a sledge party from one of Sir Edward Belcher's ships and transported by sledge to the Sound. McClure and his crew became the first to survive a trip through the Northwest Passage. So basically what that means is there was a ton of people looking for this passage, couldn't find it, and then hundreds of years passed, one dude finds it, but it wasn't easy. He was trapped on the ice, a bunch of his men died for multiple years before someone found him, and if they wouldn't have had that sledge rescue party, they probably would have all died. So that sounds like someone Liam Neesoning their way through this passage, right? Yeah. Didn't really have a great plan. Did it anyway. Of course. Yeah. That's like a Santa. You know what? I just added another one. There's Liam Neeson, <laughs> there's Nick Cage, and then there's, and there's Santa, Santa Claus. Where you fucking have a plan. You got a list. You have everything in your order. You've and you're checked gonna it twice. It. You're going to do it. You've done it before, and you will continue to fucking do it. Are you an omniscient? chubby white man santa your way through life stop feeling sorry for yourself you can do this he's an entrepreneur he has like thousands of employees Alyssa. mrs claus fucks i respect santa what does mrs claus fucking have to do with (laughs) respecting santa does that mean if you see a man who has like a wife who has it together you're like you know what i respect that man because i guess i kind of do too he like had his shit enough like together to enough get, to attract such right. like a, a a beautiful and talented woman as Mrs. Claus. Right. That woman is always baking and like making toys from scratch and like having his back holding down the fort. Slay. Slay Mrs. Claus. Slay. Slay. S-L-E-I-G-H. Slay. So basically, as far as the 17th century Earth is considered, finding this Northwest Passage would be like finding a cure for cancer. It's bound to help a lot of people, and it's also going to make you super rich and famous. Got it. So this guy that we brought up in the beginning, the one who joined the military when he was 14. Yes, the child prodigy, sailor prodigy. Sir Franklin. He was actually not the first pick to be the captain of this expedition that was going to find the Northwest Passage. Actually, what happened was this guy named Barrow, who was 82 and nearing the end of his career, was deliberating about who should command the expedition to complete the Northwest Passage and perhaps also find what Barrow believed to be an ice-free open polar sea around the North Pole. Perry, his first choice, was, quote, tired of the Arctic and politely declined. (laughs) His second choice, James Clark Ross, also declined because he promised his new wife he was finished exploring the Arctic. Good for him. You know what? Good for him. And then Barrow's third choice, James Fitzjames, was rejected by the Admiralty on the account of his youth. Barrow considered another captain called Back, but he thought he was too argumentative. And then Francis Cozier, another possibility, was of humble birth and Irish, which counted against him. What? <laughs> so reluctantly, what? Barrow settled on the 59-year-old Franklin. So basically, this expedition is the next big fucking thing Mm -hmm. you don't just like put any old riffraff on this expedition you got to have someone who has class it's like casting a marvel movie they got to be people who if they put them on stage in front of a bunch of reporters they're not going to say some like weird racist shit that's going to get the company all fluffed up you know what i mean that makes sense yeah i still don't understand why rejecting the irish man based on the fact that he's irish but you know what this was a different time for many years europe all hated each other I think. I don't know. I'm No, that I mean, I feel like let's just say things and they're probably true. It's provocative. It gets the people going. Yeah. I believe that the British and the Irish have a rivalry. The expedition was to consist of two ships. Do you know what these ships were called, Alyssa? I think you're telling me the story of the HMS Terror. Is that correct? That's one of them correct. 
Um, is the second one the HMS Scary Boat? It sounds like Airbus. E-R-E-B-U-S. So I was calling it in my mind Airbus, like an Airbus. But I was like, mm-hmm. don't say that out loud. <laughs> well, you, it's too late. You've done it. And did you know that the HMS in front of these things stands for his ma- his or her majesty's ship? I didn't know that. Huh. Well, yeah. that makes sense, too. You know, aren't right. they sailing around in the name of their country, right? Killing in the name of. Do you know that song? That's like, yeah. Killing in the name, in the name of. of. Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. They just had Rage <laughs> Against the Machine on very loud speakers on repeat <laughs> for months while they're exploring the ice. So Franklin was com- given command of Erebus. And Crozier, who had commanded the Terror during the Ross expedition, was appointed the executive officer and commander of Terror. Franklin received his expedition command on February 7th, 1845, and his official instructions on May 5th, 1845. The crew included two people with close family connections to explorers of Australia who died tragically. Bad vibes, basically. Yeah, sounds like it. Henry Le Vescon was the first cousin of William John Wills, the co-leader of the 1861 Burke and Wills expedition, which was the first to cross the Australian mainland from south to north. Both Burke and Wills perished on the return journey. And then William Gibson, who was a steward on the terror, was the elder brother of Alfred Gibson, who disappeared in 1874 expedition led by Ernest Giles to cross the deserts of Western Australia from east to west and was honored in the naming of the Gibson Desert. Oh, that's cool. So basically, they're supposed to be going on this like crazy adventure where they're not sure what's going to happen. And then two of the people who are on that adventure have relatives who died in the same way that they might die. I feel like people were a lot more willing to die back in the day. Right. I think maybe because they already had such short life expectancies that they were just like, you know what? If I'm going to die young, I might as well die young doing something cool. And look, he got a desert named after him. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty sick. I think so. I wouldn't. I would like anything named after me. So I want a volcano named after me because it fucks shit up. I was thinking more like a park bench. Like (laughs) if you guys want to raise money and have a park bench named with like a little placard on it that says Allie she she had a fun haunts time this spot yeah I will forever if I'm making a promise right now I will temporarily haunt well I think that's a super attainable goal to have a park bench dedicated in your honor yeah you, know, you can consider your entire life's work to be dedicated into that I think that that's really fitting because my life motto is have a bunch of tiny small attainable goals And then when you accomplish them, you're like, wow, I did it. So here we go. Park bench. That's what I want. It's really inspiring, Alyssa. Thanks. Well, I think that's very humble of you to just be like, give your life away as a place for people to rest. I think that's very poetic. Thank you, Natalia. Yeah. And I'm jealous because I was like, I want to be a mountain that explodes and takes out (laughs) civilizations. But I still don't take it back. (laughs) Well, I wouldn't either. You know what? They're both valid. So the expedition sets sail from... Greenhith on the morning of 19 May 1845 with a crew of 24 officers and 110 men. So that's 134 men. The ship stopped briefly in Stormness Harbor in the Orkney Islands in northern Scotland. And from there, they sailed to Greenland with the HMS Rattler and a transport ship 
Barreto Jr., the passage to Greenland took 30 days. At the Whalefish Islands in Disco Bay on the west coast of Greenland, 10 oxen carried by Barreto Jr. were slaughtered for fresh meat. And crew members wrote their last letters home. Letters written on board told how Franklin banned swearing and drunkenness. Wow. Before the expedition's final departure, five men were discharged and sent home on Rattler and Barreto Jr., reducing the ship's final crew size to 129 men. The expedition was last seen by Europeans in late July 1845 when Captain Darnett of the whaler Prince of Wales and Captain Robert Martin of the whaler Enterprise encountered Terror and Erebus, waiting for good conditions to cross to Lancaster Sound. Over the next 150 years, other expeditions, explorers, scientists, and interviews from native Inuit people would piece together what happened next. Franklin's men wintered in 1845 to 1846 on Beachy Island, where three crew members died and were buried. Oh. After traveling down Peel Sound through the summer of 1846, Terror and Erebus became trapped in ice off of King William Island in September 1846 and are believed to have never sailed again. According to a note dated April 25th, 1848 and left on the island by Fitzjames and Crozier, Franklin had died on June 11th, 1847. The crew had wintered off King William's Island in 1846 to 1847 and 1847 to 1848, and the remaining crew had planned to begin walking April 26th, 1848, towards the Back River on the Canadian mainland. In addition to Franklin, 15 men and eight other officers had also died by the time the ships were abandoned. The rest would die along the way most on the islands, and another 30 or 40 on the northern coast of the mainland, hundreds of miles from the nearest outpost of Western civilization. Jeez. The aforementioned note left at Victory Point on King William Island was written largely on the margins of a pre-printed admiralty form due to lack of space on the document. The handwritten text consists of two separate entries made nearly a year apart from each other. The first message dates from May 28, 1847, and reads in full. HMS ships, Erebus and Terror, wintered in the ice in latitude 70.05 north, long 98 and 23 west. Having wintered in 1846 to 1847 at Beachy Island in latitude 74, 43, 28 north, longitude 91, 39, 15 west, after having ascended Wellington Channel to latitude 77 and returned by the west of Cornwallis Island, Sir John Franklin commanding the expedition, all well. Party consists of two officers and six men left ships on Monday 24th, May 1847, signed GM. Gore, Lieutenant, signed, Chaz F. DeVoy, mate. So what do you take of that first note? Seems just like, I don't know. Normal. Normal, yeah. It's like unremarkable to me. Right, they're just like, oh, we're wintering in the ice at this location, and then before that we wintered in this ice, and basically like this is where we are, all is good. Yeah, yeah, it kind of reminds me of um, when we did the Eileon Moore Remember where they're doing the logbook? Yes. And, it, and like the logbook starts off like very innocuous. Like to me, this is very innocuous. Yes. Well, the second note, which was dated April 25th, 1848. So the first one was May 28th, 1847. The second one is April 25th, 1848. It reads, HM ships Terror and Erebus were deserted on the 22nd of April. Five leagues northwest of this, having beset since 12th September, 1846. The officers and crews, consisting of 105 souls under the command of Captain 
FRM Crozier landed here in latitude 693742 north, longitude 9841 west. Sir John Franklin died on the 11th of June, 1847, and the total loss by deaths in the expedition has been to this date nine officers and 15 men. Signed, James Fitzjames, Captain HMS Erebus, FRM Crozier, Captain and Senior Officer, and start on tomorrow 26th for the back Fishes River. So why, do we know wh- how these people are dying or? We don't know yet. In that note, didn't he say that like nine officers have died? Right. Or? He said to this day, nine officers and 15 okay. men have died. But even just this note was written on the back of a, like a document because there wasn't enough space. So these men, we can assume, didn't have any more supplies left. This note was like not oh. planned for, right? They didn't think that they were going to be stuck in the ice for two years. Okay. The first note said, we wintered 1846 to 1847 at Beachy Island. And then the second one says, after having wintered, they deserted their boats on the 22nd of April. But yeah, no, it does not say why they deserted the boats. So we don't know what has happened here. It seems like there's sort of like a missing link, right? It went from like, everything's fine to all of a sudden, uh, captain died, nine officers died, 15 men died. Uh, we're going to go check out, see what's at this river. (laughs) I know. Yeah, that's interesting. You would think that like everything they need is on the boat and you'd want to be on the boat if it became unstuck, right? Exactly. I don't know. Yeah. Or if the ice melted or anything like that. And I mean, Mm -hmm. this is the Arctic. Like there's not much food around here, you know, like there's... Yeah, I wouldn't imagine. Exactly. So after two years had passed with no word from Franklin, public concern grew, obviously, And Jane Lady Franklin, his wife, as well as members of Parliament and British newspapers, urged the Admiralty to send a search party. Although the Admiralty said it did not feel any reason to be alarmed, it responded by developing a three-pronged plan to put in effect in the spring of 1848 that sent an overland rescue party led by John Richardson and John Ray down the Mackenzie River to the Canadian Arctic coast. Two expeditions by sea were also launched one led by James Clark Ross entering the Canadian Arctic through the Lancaster Sound, and the other, commanded by Henry Kellett, entering from the Pacific side. In addition, the Admiralty offered a reward of 20,000 pounds, which would be 2,022,000 pounds in 2020, to any party or parties of any country who shall render assistance to the crews of the Discovery ships under the command of Sir John Franklin. After the three-pronged effort failed, British national concern and interest in the Arctic increased until finding Franklin became nothing less than a crusade. Ballads such as Lady Franklin's Lament, commemorating Lady Franklin's search for her lost husband, became popular. Many joined the search, and in 1850, 11 British and two American ships cruised the Canadian Arctic, including Bretta LeBain and her sister ship HMS Phoenix. Several converged on the east coast of Beachy Island, where the first relics of the expedition were found, including remnants of a winter camp from 1845 to 1856, and the graves of John Torrington, John Hartnell, and William Brain. Wait, so you're telling me like an 11-year stint of, you said 1846 to 1858? To 1850. Oh, okay, okay. I misheard. I was going to say, Jesus. That's <laughs> like. But still, that's a long still, time. No, still very, very long. Yeah. It does go, Alyssa. It will end up being hundreds of years before anyone finds Ooh. anything out. But you have to stay fucking tuned. <laughs> I'm ready. Basically, you know, after they disappear for two years, uh, a bunch of people are like, well, where did they go? Especially Franklin's wife. Because right. she, this isn't just money to her. You know, this is her 
husband. So she's like, where did they go? And the parliament sends out uh, a bunch of search parties. And they also say, you know what? If any of you citizens or anyone at all can find any information to leading to these boats, we'll give you two million pounds, essentially. Two million mm-hmm. to 22,000 pounds. Now, I don't know about you, but I know about me. If someone told me I could have two million, 22,000 pounds to go find a boat right now, like my ass is going to find that boat. Right. I would, yeah, I'd go for a few pounds. Like any excuse to like not be in quarantine and be on an adventure and get paid doing it. Let's do it. Exactly. And if they were like, it's going to be in the middle of the Arctic and you might die, I would be like, well, I'll bring a jacket. Yeah. (laughs) So there were no messages from Franklin Expedition were found where those graves were found. Okay. In the spring of 1851, passengers and crew aboard several ships observed a huge iceberg off Newfoundland, which bore two vessels, one upright and one in its beam ends. The ships were not examined closely. It was suggested at the time that the ships could have been Erebus and Terror, but it's now known that they were not. It was likely that they were abandoned whaling ships. Isn't that weird, though? They that see like weird. an iceberg with two ships stuck in it. And they don't even go to look at it. Yeah. Right. They're just like, nah. They're like, that's kind of weird. Bye. I wish I could be that chill about anything. So then in 1852, Edward Belcher was given command of the government Arctic expedition that was in search of Franklin. This expedition was unsuccessful. Belcher's inability to render himself popular with his subordinates was unfortunate in Arctic voyage, and he was not wholly suited to command vessels among ice. Four of the five ships, the HMS Resolute, Pioneer, Assistance, and Intrepid were abandoned in pack ice, for which Belcher was court-martialed but acquitted. So basically this guy was the captain and no one liked him and they're in the ice and everyone's like, fuck this, we're not listening to you and they just abandoned it and then he did too. He was like, fuck this. And then he gets court-martialed, which is like arrested by the military and then they're like, okay, actually it's fine. Yeah, well, yeah, right, because if you're the captain, isn't the main thing supposed to be that you like never abandon your ship? It's like if your ship is sinking and you're the captain, don't you like have to go down with it unless you can make sure that every single person is off the boat? Right. Yeah. Okay. So that makes sense, right? Because he's like, fuck this. Everyone hates me. I'm getting off this boat with everyone else. I know. Yeah. Honestly, I can relate to that so much. (laughs) It's like when you go to summer camp or something and like you're the weird one that no one likes. And then you're, so just, you're like, just like, fuck, fuck this. this, I want to leave. Yeah. yeah. That was like most of my childhood. Of those ships, <laughs> HMS Resolute was later recovered intact by an American whaler and returned to the United Kingdom. Timbers from the ship were later used to manufacture three desks, one of which, the Resolute desk, was presented by Queen Victoria to the U.S. President Rutherford B. Hayes, and it's often been chosen by presidents for use in the Oval Office in the White House. Wait, Did that's you know badass. That? That's super cool. I bet you that desk is haunted as fuck. But it's also kind of funny because it's like, this was a ship that had like, we don't give a fuck, no one likes me, I give up vibes. And yeah. the <laughs> queen was like, this is perfect for you to be the president of the United States. Like you're that's on a true. ship that's like abandoned. She's throwing, yeah, she's throwing yeah, shade. Yeah, she's like throwing shade. Yeah, right. I love it. <laughs> In 1854, Ray, while serving the Boothia Peninsula for Hudson's Bay Company, discovered further evidence of the expedition's fate. Ray met an Inuk near Pelly Bay, who told him of a party of 35 to 40 white men who had died of starvation near the mouth of Back River. Sounds like our people were looking for, right? Yeah. Other Inuit confirmed this story, which included reports of cannibalism among the dying sailors. The Inuits showed Ray many objects that were identified as having belonged to Franklin and his men. In particular, Ray 
brought from the Inuit several silver forks, spoons, and items later identified as belonging to Franklin, Fitzjames, Crozier, and Robert Osmer Sargent, shipmate aboard the heiress. Ray's report was sent to the Admiralty, which in October 1854 urged them to send an expedition back down to the back river to search for other signs of Franklin and his men. Next were Chief Factor James Anderson and his employee James Stewart, who traveled north by canoe to the mouth of the back river. In July 1855, a band of Inuit told them that a group of Qualnut, which was Inuit for whites, had starved to death along the coast in August. So they were just, <laughs> it's kind of, I mean, not funny. I know they were just watching and they were like, oh, look at all those white people starving. Hmm. But I, I don't blame them because they're probably thinking like, who are these people? Are they armed? What's going to happen if we go near them? They're eating each other, right? Yeah. yeah. If I saw 30 people who were starving around eating each other the last thing i'm gonna do is be like hey what are you guys up to yeah hey i caught a fish it's not gonna help you at all like yeah and you're eating each other yeah yeah there's way too many like if it was one or two people maybe but 30 come on yeah 30 strangers eating each other i would probably think it was a cult and i would stay far away and that's exactly what they did they didn't help out one bit (laughs) in august anderson and stewart found a piece of wood inscribed with Erebus, and another that said mr stanley who was a surgeon above the Erebus on montreal island in the chantry inlet where the back river meets the sea despite the findings of ray and anderson the admiralty did not plan another search of its own Britain officially labeled the crew deceased in service on March 31st, 1854. Lady Franklin, failing to convince the government to fund another search, personally commissioned one more expedition under Francis Leopold McClintock. The expedition ship, the steam schooner Fox, bought via public subscription, sailed from Aberdeen on July 2nd, 1857. Hell yeah, Lady Franklin. She's not giving up. I really admire her. I know. In in April 1859, sledge parties set out from the Fox to search on King William Island. On May 5th, the party led by Lieutenant William Hobson found a document in a cairn left by Crozier and Fitzjames. It contained two messages. The first, dated May 28th, 1847. All well, the message said, remember? Yes, I remember that. The second message... Written in the margins of that same sheet of paper was much more ominous. Dated 25th of April, 1848, it reported that the Erebus and Terror had been trapped in the ice for a year and a half and the crew had abandoned the ships on the 22nd of April. 24 officers of the crew had died, including Franklin, just two weeks after the date of the first note. Crozier was commanding the expedition and the 105 survivors planned to start out the next day, heading south towards the Back River. The note contains significant errors. Most notably, the date of the expedition's winter camp at Beachy Island is incorrectly given as 1846 to 1847 rather than 1845 to 1846. Weird. Huh. Right? You yeah, so think- it's kind of like they're they're like losing, I don't know, like mental faculties or something. I mean, you'd think you'd want to be pretty accurate in a logbook. And, and this is like their only job, right? And plus, yeah. on top of that, like this was something important that they wanted people to know, which is why they took the first note out and wrote in the margins on it this. If it wasn't important for people to know this, they wouldn't have bothered writing it, right? Right. Yeah, I agree. The McClintock expedition also found a human skeleton on the southern coast of King William Island, Ooh. still clothed. It was searched and some papers were found, including a seaman certificate for Chief Petty Officer Henry Pegler, captain of the foretop 
HMS Terror. However, since the uniform was that of a ship steward, it's more likely that the body was that of Thomas Armitage, a gunroom steward on the Terror, and a shipmate of Pegler whose papers he carried. At another site on the western extreme of the island, Hobson discovered a lifeboat containing two skeletons and relics from the Franklin expedition. In the boat was a large amount of abandoned equipment, including boots, silk handkerchiefs, scented soap, sponges, slippers, hair combs, and many books. Among them, the copy of The Vicar of Wakefield. McClintock also took testimony from the Inuit about the expedition's disastrous end. Two expeditions between 1860 and 69 by Charles Francis Hall, who lived among the Inuit near the Frobisher Bay on Baffin Island and later at Repulse Bay on the Canadian mainland, found camps, graves, and relics in the southern coast of King William Island, but he believed none of Franklin's expedition survivors would be found among the Inuit. In 1869, local Inuit took Hall to a shallow grave on King Edward Island containing well-preserved skeletal remains and fragments of clothing. These remains were taken to England and interred beneath the Franklin Memorial at Greenwich Old Royal Naval College in London. The eminent biologist Thomas Henry Huxley examined the remains and it was concluded that they belonged to Viscount, the lieutenant on Erebus. An examination in 2009 suggested that these were actually the remains of Harry Goodsir, assistant surgeon on the Erebus. Although Hall concluded that all of the Franklin crew were in fact dead, he believed that the official expedition records would be found under a stone cairn. With the assistance of his guides, he gathered hundreds of pages of Inuit testimony. Basically what's happening is the majority of these findings, the skeletons, the relics, these cairns, which is like a bottle or like a, you know, like a glass container or something containing notes. These are all found based off of testimony given by the local indigenous people, the Inuit. Okay. So they were, so maybe the Inuit were even like taking their own notes, like saying, okay, over here today, there's like a hundred people. I'm like, we don't know why, like, we're going to see what they're doing. Are they here to like fuck our shit up or like you know we just don't know and then like slowly over time they're seeing them like kind of devolve and die and do all these things and so they probably had good records because I, I mean either that or they had really good memories I, otherwise I don't know how you would give all that information so accurately because it sounds like they found things exactly where the Inuit said they'd be right well I think it's probably a mixture of two things one you know historically uh explorers have not always been the kindness to indigenous populations Mm -hmm. so if you see a bunch of you know like uh, military men coming through your land maybe your first intention is like i don't know if i should help these fucks or not oh no i'm on board yeah i'm on board with that i'm saying Yeah. yeah i wonder if they like wrote stuff down or if they just had really good memories oh well i mean it's the arctic right and like all the time you're just seeing your fellow tribes or like sometimes maybe like an interesting bird that you try to kill yeah. and eat and then all of a sudden there's like a whole ship full of a bunch of idiots who don't know how to survive right. and you're just watching them like struggle for two years and that's like your only entertainment you know like we watch tiger king or something like that we're right. like haha these people are stupid lol like that's what they're thinking right too. And yeah <laughs> they watched um <laughs> arctic donner party that was their source of entertainment so basically they keep finding all of these skeletons and weird notes specifically the most you know strangest haunted note would be that second one that has the winter labeled wrong 
and there these guys went missing they just disappeared off the face of the earth 129 men and most of them were super experienced sir john franklin the guy that's commanding this whole expedition is super well educated in arctic exploration so these are people who knew how to survive and they knew what to do and all of a sudden were like where have they gone we don't know how do 129 men just disappear right and, and the Inuit are saying like, well, we don't have all the answers, but we know that we saw some people like acting a fool over here. So we'll lead you to where that is. And then they lead these expeditions over there, these rescue parties who mm -hmm. are just finding like plates and, you know, skeletons and remains and stuff. But we don't understand what happened because when we, when you, uh, and we don't know where the ships are either. So we don't have any information. That's the spookiest part, right? Because if the, if the ship was stuck in the ice, then it should just still be there. If you know what exactly. I mean, like if the sh ship is stuck there for years and years in the ice to the point where they felt safer off the boat than on the boat, then the ship has to be there. Exactly. Do they, do they think it sank? Like, what do they think happened? They're not exactly sure what happened and they don't find it. And so the scientific conclusions from this time... The field surveys and excavations and exhumations spanned for like 10 years. And the results of the study from King William Island and Beachy Island artifacts and human remains show that the Beachy Island crew had probably died of pneumonia and perhaps tuberculosis, which is suggested by the evidence of Potts disease, which was discovered in brain. And toxicological reports pointed to lead poisoning as likely contributing because all of their like canned goods and things like that were just had lead in them, apparently. Damn, I'm so but, glad that I was not alive in the 1800s because I just had pneumonia and I I have you're survived so far. Now. Yeah, they just, damn, like you just would, you know, I was talking about this with one of my friends the other day, uh, one of our friends, Amy, and it was just, I we were talking about like, thank God that there are antibiotics now because can you just imagine like being a woman in the 1600s dying of a UTI? Like, hor horrible. I know. Yeah, that sucks. I mean, I don't know. Maybe yeah. if you went back, you would survive it because like you survived from pneumonia now. No big deal. Well, I took antibiotics. Oh, yeah. That's less cool. Yeah. <laughs> Blade cut marks are found on bones from some of the crew and they're seen as signs of cannibalism. Evidence suggested that a combination of cold, starvation, and disease, including scurvy, pneumonia, and tuberculosis, all made worse by lead poisoning, killed everyone in the Franklin party. But we just didn't know. So that's basically what happened. Now, what happens next, Alyssa, is that in September of 2019, the terror and the Erebus were found. <gasps> Where? Did you know this? No, I didn't know this. I, I've heard the story. Like, I've, heard, I've, like, read, you know, like, little like summaries of what the HMS terror is, but I have never looked into it before. And even when you told this story on the stream, um, you, obviously we didn't go into as much detail because you only had 10 minutes. So yeah. no, I did not know that these ships were found. So the ships were found in 2014 and 2016. Oh, that's based, so recent. Yeah. Based off of an Inuit guy saying, hey, a few, you know, summers ago, I was out looking at the water and I saw a mast sticking up out of the water and I thought it was weird. But by the time I went back, it was already covered by the waves. Right. He tells this to some explorers and then they go and follow that lead and they found both ships. Now, one of them 
was in relatively shallow water, the Erebus, right off of the south of King William Island, almost exactly where the historical Inuit testimony had placed it. And then two years later, terror was located at the bottom of a large bay after Inuit Canadian ranger Sammy Kogvik led researchers to the error. And the terror is so well preserved that it just resembles a ghost ship. And Ooh. it's like perfectly preserved inside like papers and, you know, all kinds of artifacts or like books like super well preserved and i have but it was underwater I show you yeah but it was underwater and because it's like freezing water it preserved everything super well so oh, we have a really good look into what happened that day and what people come up with is that they did resort to cannibalism Ugh. and did you know that cannibalism happens in stages no what do you mean by that cannibalism occurs in phases first people cut flesh from bones, focusing on the big muscle groups. And then when things get even direr, they start to break the bones apart to get the fat-rich marrow inside. This is called end-stage cannibalism, and it's usually part of a last-ditch effort to survive. It is what happened to the Doom Franklin expedition. Would you eat a human? Natalia, side note, if you were like dying of starvation, yeah, yeah. Would, do you think you could? Yeah, absolutely. I would th- do it just to taste it right now if the person was down. <laughs> you th- you think that you would, would you? be able... I don't know if I'd be able to. I feel like I would just like throw up or pass out or just like kill myself because I don't know. But you know, the other thing I've thought about is if you know that you're in that situation, would you be able... Have you ever seen that movie with the guy that got like stuck with his arm under a boulder and like cut yeah, his own arm off? Yeah, 127 hours. Yes. Would... If you were in that type of situation and you knew that you had to eat stuff to survive, would you be able to cut a limb, your own limb off and then roast and eat that limb to survive if that yeah. was your only way? You think you could? I, I mean, I wouldn't have a choice. Look, I'm programmed to survive. And I can tell you as someone who has like had to come up with lots of creative ways to survive that were not necessarily like the, you know, the proudest, coolest things I've ever done in my life. I fucking did it because I had to survive and I would do it again. Would you not? I don't think I, I don't think I could cut my own arm off or leg off. I don't, th- I just don't think I could do it. But that would be a way to ensure that you don't die and become someone else's meal if you eat yourself first. Right. Well, I think that's a good point because with the 127 hours thing, it's like the guy the guy is either going to starve to death there in between that rock, you know, because he's Or stuck. he cuts his arm off and frees himself. And frees yeah. himself and gets away. Yeah. And so it's like you're going to basically have a horrible traumatic experience either way. You're going to die this very slow, painful death. Right. Or you're going to do what you have to do. Have to, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I like to think that I would be able to rise to the occasion, but I just don't know. And I hope I'm never in that position. But you've never been know. like really scared. Like you've never been, I don't know, like hiking and got lost all of a sudden or felt like someone was following you in a parking lot. Oh, or definitely. Like that. But I but I would never I mean, those aren't situations where I would have to harm myself. Right. That's the thing that I'm thinking of. Like I'm always I'm all about self-preservation in a way that doesn't harm me. And so mm-hmm. if I had to harm myself in order to survive, I don't I like to think I'd be able to do it. But I don't know. I've never been in that position before. Let's lower the stakes a little bit. Have you ever really wanted to impress somebody and like plucked your eyebrows or got a bikini wax that fucking hurt? Well, I feel like I do those things for myself, so I don't know. And that but for yourself, that for yourself to get what you want, right? Yeah, but those don't those don't hurt though. 
You know what I mean? It's not the same. I don't think a bikini wax is comparable to cutting my toe off, but I could be wrong. I've never cut my toe off. <laughs> no. Let's find out right now. Let's I'm do just it. trying to convince you that you would eat somebody, but oh, you're very okay. resistant to the idea. I don't know if I'd be You're able what to. we Maybe. in the medical community would call resistant. In the medical Alyssa. community. <laughs> now you know. Cannibalism has two phases. The first okay. fa- I think the first phase sounds fucking gross. You're eating off like fleshy parts of stuff, like muscles and tendons and things like that. Like that's gnarly. Right. I would way rather break apart some bones, heat it up and suck some marrow out of Ugh. that and act like Ugh. it's crab. Yeah. I'd be like, "Look at me. Ugh. I'm at Red Lobster." Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Red Lobster would not be good if it weren't for the Cheddar Bay biscuits. So if I had to eat some Red Lobster without those biscuits, I don't think I'd be very happy. Okay, Alyssa, the next time I'm like having to do end stage cannibalism with you, I'll make sure that there's some Cheddar Biscuits. Perfect. Thank you. You know what? I could eat it. I could eat human if you gave me Cheddar Bay Biscuits on the side. There we go. We got that Cheddar Bay Biscuit. We found the solution. Wow. Okay. So... That's what happened. Well, shit. Although the expedition had plenty of food aboard, the men mysteriously abandoned those provisions to hike inland along the back river in search of a Hudson Bay Company trading post. What? None of them made it. Most probably because they died of starvation. And in 1854, rumors of cannibalism arose from interviews with local Inuits who told tales of piles of human bones cracked in half. In the 1980s and 1990s, researchers recovered remains of the crew on King William Island and knife marks adorned the bones, backing up those early accounts. And now, a new analysis from the discovery of these two ships by anthropologists Simon Mays and Owen Beatty suggests that the men did indeed eat one another. The bones they analyzed show signs of breakage and heating. Thus, the crew members likely cooked them to extract the marrow. What do you think of that, Alyssa? I mean, bone marrow is delicious. I have had that before. Not from a human, but (laughs) from an animal. And it was was delicious. It is really yummy. Yeah, it's good. Um, I feel like that whole area where all of those cracked bones were found Mm -hmm. has to be haunted. Haunted as fuck. If somebody ate my body... I would absolutely come back to haunt that area because I'd be like, that's like, I mean, we talk about desecration of graves, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's kind, isn't that kind of like the ultimate desecration? Ultimate. Des- you got desecrated, bitch. Hashtag you got desecrated. Well, I think <sighs> the whole point of the story is like, obviously, there's a bunch of unfortunate things, but this is not a true crime podcast. This is not an un lucky podcast this is not a podcast about things that go wrong this is a podcast about supernatural affairs so it's about whatever we want it to be about in the same way that our very first voidin 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 no maiden our very first voyage maiden voyage episode diot love pass was about why the fuck those people left their tent the real supernatural thing is why do these men Abandon all their food. Abandon their ship and abandon all of their food. Exactly. It's stuck in the ice. It's super weird because the crew decides to trek a thousand miles to the nearest Hudson Bay trading post following the fish rich back river to safety. So they're thinking like, oh, we're just going to walk a thousand kilometers. That's going to be fine to this trading post. 
and then we're going to follow this like super good river back to safety which doesn't if you think about it oh wait no it's a thousand miles i read that wrong okay i was gonna say a thousand kilometers is not that far but now it's a thousand miles and that's a lot never mind yeah so that's even crazier (laughs) (laughs) and they didn't even bring enough like provisions with them and there was still provisions on the boat that's what weirds me out and so people who have analyzed the situation say that this plan was foolhardy there's just a few arctic birds in the region and the fishing was poor and it required cutting through thick ice and so even the Inuit stayed away from this area because the food was so scarce. Like you're not going to feed 129 men by knocking holes in the ice. It's just not going to happen that way. None of the crew members made it even a fifth of the way to the outpost. And for years, no one knew what happened until a Canadian map maker heard Inuit reports of cannibalism. And then that's how we found out, oh, actually shit went down. But we're still not understanding what made so many of the crew members die before abandoning the ships and then why did they make the decision to leave to me right haunted like obviously this group was like fuck these ships this shit is haunted get me the fuck out of here and like one right. of the some things that people say about this whole thing is they're like well you know one of the side effects of lead poisoning is mania it could be that these people were slowly losing their minds but oh, as yeah, like we the mad know, hatter exactly But as we know, based off of haunted... Oh, wait, that was Mercury. Sorry, go ahead. The Mad Hatter. Yeah, he was Mercury poisoning, Uh, wasn't it? Yeah, but Mercury's a metal, and lead's a metal. And I'm not a scientist, but whatever. We're not not anything. It's the same. (laughs) (laughs) So it just, like, basically what I'm trying to get at here is that these are cursed ships, and... I don't know what's going to happen to these people who found them. And they're like, oh, it's perfectly preserved, even though it's been lost for hundreds of years. This is perfect for our science. Like, if I opened up a tomb or a cave and there was just a perfectly preserved, like, 300-year-old church in there, I would be like, get me the fuck away from that shit. Right. Right? No, absolutely. Yeah, I'm not going anywhere near that. We've discussed many times on this podcast that I will not take the chance of being cursed. Yeah, things that don't age is is bad vibes. Yeah, or houses that are old. Like, I've, if your house is over, what did we say? Over 100 years old, it's haunted. It's just like a fact. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like that old yeah. mirror in that weird house that you told me about in the middle of the woods. Yeah, that's, that's haunted. I'm not year old bringing mirror. that into my home. Also, what was that 5,000-year-old, t- no, 7,000-year-old town? <laughs> Do you remember <laughs> you're that? You're so mad about it. I'm yeah, you're so mad but about it. Haunted, but automatically haunted, right? I'm still mad about it. So the one thing I do remember about this story, because I have, I think I told you, I have like that little calendar thing that I bought at the beginning of this year from Unsolved Mysteries and it gives you a new Unsolved Mystery every day, but it's just like a little paragraph. Uh The one thing I remember reading on that notepad was that after like discovering the shipwreck, a bunch of people that were, that discovered that, that were on the expedition that discovered the ship, one of the shipwrecks, I don't remember which boat. A bunch of them died in like weird freak accidents. Two people died in a boating accident right afterwards. Like two more died like their ATV flipped or something. Oh my and then and then like two others just like had or I don't know if it was one or two. But I remember like someone had like a random heart attack. And it, like all of this stuff happened like in the same week following like discovering 
the HMS. I think it was the HMS Terror. Yeah. So just like 100%, like it's haunted, it's cursed, right? This is a perfect story that you're telling, I think, about like a cursed ship. And I on also and then on that to think that that cursed ship wood was given to the president of the United States. And now look. Yeah, that's fucking stupid like that <laughs> or is it genius i think who well knows? i just mean like if it was cursed and now like i don't you know now we seem to be cursed like we're all stuck inside in a global pandemic yeah and, like we just got I, you know like our economy's all messed up too like it seems like cursed. i think too on that pad of paper i was reading like the inuit people in that area had said like we feel the presence of like you know disembodied voices and like tracks in the snow like human tracks in the snow that like we can't like explain how they got there and like that there were artifacts and people may or may not have been like taking artifacts off the ship and selling them and so like Mm -hmm. are those objects cursed yes yes i agree i don't trust shit this is why i believe in japanese minimalism the less things that i own the less things that can haunt me you know if i have no fucking possessions nothing can hurt me right that's um john lennon's imagine song right (laughs) imagine no possessions nothing could possibly haunt you (laughs) marie kondo the shit out of your shipwreck (laughs) (laughs) okay now i'm gonna show you some artifacts that was great i'm gonna show you some artifacts from this expedition okay okay cool oh those are glasses yeah, so it's a pair of blue tinted glasses that they Wait, found. those are kind of like fashionable. Aren't they? I feel like someone would wear those now voluntarily. That's very fashion forward for the 1800s. And for a sailor? Wow, I'm impressed. Pocket watch? Oh, this stuff is, yeah, this is so well preserved. I'm looking at a pocket watch and like it has rust on it, but you'd expect that. It's over 100 years old. It looks like something yeah, like, this it looks, looks like, like something perfect. someone would make to take to Burning Man. You know how everyone at Burning Man like wants to wear old clocks and shit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's called steampunk. Yeah. yeah, this looks like something like as someone on a fucked up bicycle would be um, <laughs> riding around with. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe how well preserved this is. So I'm looking at a book and like, of course, the pages are like frayed and stuff, but the ink isn't running at all. So this is like a picture of like a priest and it's called what's that book called? It's called The Marriage. The Marriage. The Marriage. Interesting. We'll upload all of these to our Instagram, you guys. This is very interesting. Ooh, a boot. That's this is all this is way more well preserved than I would have imagined for like being submerged in water. Isn't this weird though? Do you see what that boot says on it? It says sea boot from starvation. Whoa. Yeah. It says ten it says size ten. Sea boot from starvation B A something. It I think cuts it's starvation off. bay, but how ironic. Star Whoa. That's spooky. That's a cursed ship. A hundred percent. That is a, this is a cursed ship. Here's some pictures of the boat. I just can't believe they found it so recently. I I vaguely remember, I mean, because of because of that calendar I have, I, I guess I must have known that they found it, but I didn't realize it was so recent. Here's some very well-preserved. <gasps> oh, whoa. Just like bottles of stuff. And wow, this is like so plates. interesting. The plates are still on the shelf. Yeah, look at that. It's like China plates too. It's like nice, good quality plates. <gasps> Oh my gosh. Okay. Wow. So this is like a, a pretty well-preserved corpse that I'm looking at right now. Like the guy's face, his eyes are still in his head. This is, this is crazy. 
whoa okay another corpse this is okay that's scary that's yes this is cursed this is cursed so i paid for um a national geographic subscription so that i could look at pictures of dead people um and haunted things yeah sictures as they like to call them so um (laughs) that is where those came from wow Shout out National so, Geographic. They're doing the Lord's work. So, Alyssa, what do you think of that story? What do you think it is that caused them to get out of that boat? Do you think the boats were... here? Here's the theories. Obviously, okay, there's yeah, only tell one the right theories. answer, but here's the theories. Okay. Lead poisoning. Right. Lead poisoning leads to mania, leads them to act crazy, mm-hmm. scurvy, starvation, exposure mm-hmm. from just Tuber- like being in the Arctic. Exactly. Tuberculosis. And then... Yeah cannibalism what do you think any or all of those also yeah. haunted ships we've got to throw that one in there haunted I mean, ships this is this is what i think about i'll, I'll give you two my two thoughts and it first, could be a combination of those you know yeah well i think my first thought like initial reaction hearing this story is i 100 percent think that this shipwreck is cursed i think that like I I do think it's cursed and I think if you know as we've discussed on this podcast we go into this every story believing in the supernatural right believing in the ghosts and I think if I died in such a horrible way and especially if I had lead poisoning and was confused like I would my soul would absolutely be haunting that and it kind of reminds me of Pirates of the Caribbean where like the ship the underwater ship and like all of the it's like davy jones's army or whatever are just like marching along or was it barbosa's army doesn't matter and they're just like marching along the bottom of the sea like zombies that's what i imagine this shipwreck right. to be horrifying and i do are talking yeah. about pirates davy of the Carib- jones pirates of the caribbean captain, yeah captain yeah. barbosa and davy jones yeah. and captain mm-hmm. jack sparrow yeah uh, that's what that reminds me of though the that black scene, pearl yeah that scene where like they're at the bottom of the ocean and the zombie army's just like marching and they're all <laughs> like, like decaying and like have you have you heard that song that's like this is the tale of captain, captain jack, jack sparrow, sparrow. <laughs> yeah that's a, that the lonely island did that one yeah with wait Bolton. i want to play that for them Hold i on. don't think we can because it's copywritten we played donnie we played Donnie from the Wild Thornberries. I think or is that the, too old? They wouldn't sue us. I, th- I think that's too old. But I think the I think the rule is maybe we can play like three seconds. Do like just the part where he goes, Captain Jack Sparrow. Okay, this is the last piece of evidence that I have for everybody. <laughs> Jack Sparrow. Love okay. it. That was it. I just wanted to add that in there just to show you that like this is still a very relevant podcast. <laughs> We're bringing it back to, you know, modern times, modern problems, modern songs. That song was from 2011, which was almost 10, no, more than 10 years ago, right? I don't like, don't tell me what that. What is it now? Is it 22 or it's is it 20? It's 2020, but it's basically, oh. this, this year has basically been useless because we're going to be quarantined the whole year. <laughs> so well, what do you Alyssa, think, Natalia? What do you think happened? Haunted ships. See, like when, when I, like, oh, here's the thing. Those are a lot of symptoms of a problem. We got cannibalism. We got lead poisoning. We got mania. We got uh, Inuit saying that people are walking around in droves acting stupid. We got, you know, a bunch of stuff happening. We got people being weird. And instead of asking ourselves what specifically it was that killed them, like what, you know, specific illness it was that killed them, why don't we ask ourselves why did they get ill in the first place? And I believe 
I'm willing to put my testimony and bet my life on this, that those ships are haunted. I mean, just the fact that the Queen of England decides to take this wood and turn it into a desk and give it to the president. That's not like a thing. Are you going to tell me that this, <laughs> that the fucking, you know, Eiffel Tower is made of haunted? Is Are you that sure that was all the, of these? That was the HMS Terror that she made into a desk or was that a different boat? No, it's not. But it was a Queen of England. I don't know. The modern Queen of England is old as F. It could have been her. She gave it to... Alyssa, you're making me have to research more. <laughs> um, Google Oval Office Boat Desk. Live research. Resolute Desk. Resolute Desk. The Resolute Desk is a 19th century partner's desk. It was a gift of oh, it's Queen from the Victoria H- to President Rutherby Hayes in 1880. And it was built from the arctic exploration ship at hms resolute it was from that no it wasn't the terror it was from the ship that remember they the guy that was like the captain and everyone hated him so he just abandoned oh the ship yeah and so was he was like, just like it. peace out yeah but still that's like you know that's not like a good vibes ship to give to someone you're not giving like them a wood made out of like this amazing accomplishment you're giving yeah. them wood made out of a huge failure coward embarrassment yeah yeah and i mean whether or not like you said whether or not the ship was cursed in the first place that whole area is now cursed there's no way that's like me being like Alyssa, happy birthday i made you a frame made from my sat practice tests yeah yeah i'd be like like, oh thanks i'd be like what the fuck love it no i wouldn't i I wouldn't be rude but i'd be like this is a fucking weird gift (laughs) well that was a great story natalia i didn't i learned many things and i will not be exploring the arctic anytime soon i guess or so you think if someone gives me two million pounds to go over there i will do it that's true if you guys fund um an expedition for us to go see the hms terror and get cursed I would, I would probably do it, to be honest. I think I would. Now that I'm thinking about it, I would go scuba diving and I would look at the artifacts. Do you want to do our sign-off? Sure. BRB, gotta go Marie Kondo the curse out of my shipwreck. Love it. Bye. Bye. The sources that I use for today's episode are nationalgeographic.com, geology.com, britannica.com, livescience.com, and of course, Wikipedia. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We will see you on the other side of this quarantine. Stay safe.